0: most important. Every moment, I think we're all from a business perspective thinking about the impact that the virus is having across the country. Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg
3: Radio. Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Kelly.
0: And I'm Mike Lynch. And I'm Michael Barr. Over the next hour, we will explore the big money issues in the world of sports and talk to some of the biggest players in the industry.
3: And guys, it's a special edition of the show in honor of Martin Luther King Day. It's a holiday, but it's also a day of reflection. And so we thought, A really good idea would be to catch up with the Players Alliance. That is a group of current and former Major League Baseball players of color who have gotten together to do some really important charity work to raise awareness around some of the economic gaps that exist in the game. And we are very honored to have with us the guy who helped start it all, former Major League Baseball All-Star and the president of the Players Alliance, Curtis Granderson. Curtis, really great to have you on the line. We've been John about baseball before we came on uh, the show here Uh, what a thrill for all of us Uh, tell us what you're up to it's a really important uh, organization uh, that you are leading tell us what it's all about
4: well thanks for having me on here super excited to be chatting up with you all thank you very much for that and the players alliance has been amazing it's come together very quickly uh, established this past summer in 2020 with everything that was going on Everybody's sitting at home in the middle of the pandemic, and then we have all the social injustice issues just right in our face. Baseball players collectively were saying, hey, we gotta start doing more than just posting something on social or creating a video saying we wanna see change. And I think it was a combination of a perfect storm. Everyone was at home, couldn't go anywhere. People started figuring out how to do it all virtually with Zoom and other different ways, and guys were able to easily start connecting with each other. And through that, 150 current and former black baseball players got together to start what's called the Players' Alliance. And from that point, we've been able to have mentor calls with recently drafted black players. We've also done calls with some academic individuals, some Jackie Robinson scholars that are at some of the top universities in the country. And we're just in the middle of getting ready to wrap up our cross-country pull-up neighbor tour, which was 33 cities over the course of 40 days starting all the way up in the bronx and brooklyn and wrapping up finishing up in california
0: you brought up jackie robinson and all of the players that are in your alliance they donated their salaries on jackie robinson day can you go more into that
4: wow it was a crazy time this year again i mean i think that word could be used a lot for 2020 but specifically around Jackie Robinson Day, which was pushed this year. Jackie Robinson Day historically is always on April 15th. Mm course with tax day so uh, it's one of the good things so keep, keep in mind of that so we have the good side of it on that but of course since the season didn't start on time this year we still wanted to recognize Jackie Robinson day in Major League Baseball so it was later this year and then it fell on the weekend of the events that happened in Kenosha Wisconsin so when all that was happening and unfolding the Milwaukee Bucks basketball team decided not to play that game and that word started to get around to the other sports and baseball players said hey you know what some of us are not going to play as well. Now, when this was happening, some teams were already playing, and players said, hey, I didn't get a chance to go ahead and you know let my voice be heard. We already were playing. What's one of the ways we can collectively do something? So the recommendation was, hey, let's donate our salaries from Jackie Robinson Day weekend because we also feel like this is an important weekend where players should be playing, and they definitely wanted to be out there representing that side of it. But they also wanted to do more, and that included – players like myself who were former players that also donated. And collectively, we were able to raise over a million dollars just from players saying, hey, you know what, I want to do more than just this one thing. And that's where that money came from. And that's where the money ended up going to help take care of this pull-up neighbor tour that we did to go and provide COVID resources, provide food to food insecure areas, and also baseball equipment to a lot of kids that were receiving their first gloves and bats for the first time.
1: You know, we all can remember, Curtis, when uh, we first got our, uh, our first baseball glove. My gosh, if he gave you $100,000, you'd trade it in for that new glove and put the elastic band around it and put it under, with a ball in it and put it under your pillow. Um, will this be uh, a year after year annual thing, or right now is it just funded for a, a one year project?
4: Well, this particular funds that were raised for Jackie Robinson Day in 2020 went for this project. However, as we continue to unroll, we definitely want to continue to see this thing unfold. And it may morph. It may change a little bit because, again, we're still so new. We're about eight months into inception. And we're still trying to figure out what lane we want to go into and how best we can help out the communities we play in and the communities we call home. Those 33 cities that we selected, a lot of them were Major League cities. But they're also where the players lived and called home. So that's how they were able to come out there and be in those communities and do that. So we definitely need to see how best to do this, how best we can impact. And we're looking to do something very similar as we continue to unfold. The feedback has been amazing. The players that were there, the people that were receiving items, both black players and white players that were all able to participate have
3: all really enjoyed it. Curtis, you know, go back to the. To the origins of this, if you will, because, you know, 2020, as you said, it will go down in, in history as a memorable year, to, to say the least. And and obviously, I think we started to look at player empowerment across the professional and, and even the college and high school ranks in a different way. Tell us about how baseball players approach this. Tell us about some of the conversations that you had with, with other Black players as you really were a part of this national conversation?
4: So, As this thing unfolded, it started at the helm with Cameron Maben, D. Gordon, and Edwin Jackson, three guys that have played with so many different teammates. They're kind of like the community heads. They know everybody in this game. And the three of them just started reaching out, going, we got to do more, we got to do more. And that's how we ended up expanding to get to the 150 with myself included there. And the crazy part about it is even though this year is summed up and so much focus was on it and so many conversations were publicly being had, a lot of these conversations in the black community, especially amongst black athletes, had been being had for years, decades before. We were having them huddled up in our locker rooms. We were having them as we're traveling to and from different cities. We're having them in the offseason as we're working out with guys. Just about different things, about, wow, we'd love to see this change. We'd love to see this improve. How come we haven't seen this happen yet? And now this year, with all the negativity that happened this year, some of the great things that have come out of this is that conversation isn't just one-sided now. It's not just us. We've started to have these conversations with Major League Baseball, with the Players Association, with ownership, with different people that are in positions now to be able to help to start see some of those changes happen. So it's been great to see that unfold. It's also been conversations in the communities where players live in. So it's been great to see that the conversations that we've been having are now starting to expand. People want to listen to what you got to say. And they also are trying to provide any ways that they can help out as best they can.
0: You have a motto. From the alliance one team one dream be the change can you explain that that's it you
4: know when it's all said and done we're all moving in the right direction together to get to where we want to see this have where we want to see it happen And if you think of baseball and i heard, I heard this from a, a player and he said you start looking at the four major sports baseball football basketball and hockey and if you really break down the demographic of it Baseball is the one that kind of gives you the, the best representation of the United States because you have players from all over the world. You have black and white and Latino and Asian and old and young and all these different demographics. And the other three sports, it's very heavily shifted on one side. either heavily black, heavily white, and not much representation of everybody else. So the fact that we have all of this together on a player standpoint we all can definitely be pushing to see the change that we want to see. And it's not just of color. It's of gender. It's of equity. All these different things. We're starting to see women coaches, women GMs. You know, We're starting to see black ownership in the game. We're starting to see more kids getting introduced to the game, both male and female, both brown, black, white, and all other colors. So collectively, a lot of players have been thinking these things. Some haven't been able to voice their opinions publicly. Now they're able to do so. There's the strength in numbers. There's that one team model, that one moving towards where we want to see this ultimately get to. And that's where it all comes in. That's where the mission came from, and that's what we're going to collectively do. We know we can't do it all by ourselves, and we need everybody to be a part of our team.
1: Curtis, I think this is just a fabulous uh, program going here. You've got some great momentum this year. and, And part of the reason is that, as you said, a lot of the guys were sitting home with nothing to do. Now, let's say that spring training opens on time and the current players are back working for six or seven months. How do you sustain the momentum that you've already built up?
4: It's a challenge for sure. And that's one of the concerns that we had this summer when everything was unfolding. Once basketball starts, once football stops, we don't want this conversation to stop. This has to continue to keep going. And so far it's been good. Unfortunately, it's been a very slow off season in baseball this year from the free agent side. There's only been one big trade that just recently happened. So because of that, a lot of the momentum, a lot of the steam is still there. You're hearing about it. You're learning about it. You're seeing the players' lines out there doing this tour that's going on. But to your point, The fact that a lot of these active players are going to get back on the field and they're going to get busy playing, and I think that's where our makeup is really good, where it's not just the active players. You have recently retired players that are still recognizable, such as CeCe Sabathia, Chris Young, Chris Dickerson, and myself, mixed in with new players coming into the game and players that are obviously playing. So this thing will continue to keep going, continue to keep the momentum while the guys on the field do their thing. Guys like myself that are now sitting back, you know, retired, we can continue to push the agenda in the right directions where we want to while also incorporating them. Because Jackie Robinson Day is going to fall again on April 15th this year once the players are playing. And, of course, we're going to be looking to do things in the community around that time. And as the season unfolds, as players are heading to their different cities they play in, their hometowns are going back to, there's going to be different initiatives and things we can roll out over the course of the year.
3: Curtis, you know, especially with the perspective of being retired, as you as you look at the state of baseball and and sort of sticking with the activism uh, theme a bit, you know, the NBA gets a lot of credit for this, you know, whether it's LeBron James or other players who have been, you know, so vocal and have used their platforms, you know, baseball, you know, maybe doesn't get all of the attention. That, that it should or, or all the plaudits that it does. Why do you think that is? And, and and what's your perception of kind of baseball's place? Uh, You know, you described its place in, in the big four from a, from a level of diversity, but what does baseball need to do more of uh, either from a league perspective, from a players association perspective to, to sort of ensure that this continues?
4: Well, I definitely think that individuals like a LeBron James in the NBA and some of the players that are in the NFL, not only are they talented individuals, they've done a lot of great things in the community, but they've done a great job in their respective sports and the sport itself of making sure that they're marketable, they're recognizable, that they're known not only in the cities they play in, but throughout the country and throughout the world. And I think that's one of the big areas where baseball has kind of struggled a little bit and definitely needs to look to improve. If you think about just baseball fans in general, where everybody on this call grew up cheering for their teams in their respective areas, baseball is very regional. So whether you're a Detroit Tigers fan, a Boston Red Sox fan, an Atlanta Braves fan, you probably really knew and loved your team. But the other teams, you didn't know too much about. You didn't Mm -hmm. get a chance to see them on TV that much unless they came into your ballpark, which the way our schedules are, you don't always play everybody. It makes it very challenging and difficult to know which player on that other team is doing very well, that maybe looks like you, has the number that you like, listens to the music that you like, wears this uniform the way you like. You don't get to always get a chance to see that. So I think that's one of the ways that we can start to kind of change that. And it's going to take some time, I think, first and foremost, if you can make sure that every team is getting an opportunity to play on national television. The ESPNs, the TBSs, the MLB networks of the world, and play in prime time. You know, there's some great teams that are getting an opportunity to play. For example, the Tampa Bay Rays last year, playing in the World Series, but didn't get very many opportunities to play on the prime game, and you didn't get a chance to see some of these great players that are doing amazing things out there. You finally saw them in the playoffs, but at this point, we played a you know a full season. We didn't get a chance to see all these guys, so. Those are some of the little things I think that you can do to start, you know, laying the foundation and go, wow, I really like, you know, that Randy a guy from the Tampa Bay Rays, you know, he's, he's hitting home runs, he's strong, he's got an amazing story. He had COVID this year, he was doing push-ups, and now he's come back and he's doing great things on the field. That story gets lost if he's not getting a chance to play in front of everybody. So those are some little things I think mm. that can easily be done to get these guys out there so when they do speak up, when they are out there trying to voice their opinions about change, people can hear it, understand it, and maybe want to get behind it.
0: Martin Luther King Day, and it's a day that many people have off, and it's, it's now fallen into the category of more like a 4th of July day, and people have the day off, but maybe have forgotten the meaning of what it was all about, because I remember when there was the struggle to even get this as a national holiday can you relay your experiences of what it means to have martin luther king day it is amazing like you mentioned that it becomes a
4: three-day weekend let me plan my trips accordingly because of it and and go from there which which is a you know a byproduct of it and there's definitely nothing wrong with that but like you mentioned i mean there's times where not everybody recognizes it and to understand what this individual did, not only for just people of color, for just rights for all people, to have everybody be treated, to get opportunities to allow myself to become a Major League Baseball player, to allow us to have this conversation right now, to allow the audience that's listening to be able to do so and possibly do it next to somebody that doesn't look like them and do it comfortably. Those are all different things that Martin Luther King was fighting for and pushing for and felt that we should have. And it definitely shouldn't be forgotten. You don't have to take the whole day or the whole weekend to go ahead and say, okay, I'm going to dedicate all my energy and all my time to him. Just a little bit of remembrance for sure definitely goes a long way. You can't forget that the reason we're able to be where we are today is heavily in part because of what he was able to do and what he stood for.
1: My heroes were um, Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, Willie McCovey, uh, Reggie Jackson. They were the faces of Major League Baseball. On the opening day rosters this year, only 67 black players were on the entire rosters, roughly 8%. What, what has happened to the lack of black players in Major League Baseball? Is it Does it start at the grassroots level in Little League and high school? Is there no interest or is there lack of opportunity?
4: This is a big question, and I think there's a lot of avenues of what's causing that. And it was actually two teams that started the 2020 season without a black player on their opening day roster the Kansas City Royals and the Tampa Bay Rays. So that even puts that into even more perspective. And the percentages, as you mentioned, around 67 guys playing, I think it averaged out to about 8% of the league was African American. And then you look at the draft that happened this summer. of the players drafted were African American. So the numbers have been very consistent across the board. There hasn't been an uptick on it. Now there has been a lot of talk about, hey, maybe at the grassroots level we have to make sure that we continue to introduce the game, make sure it's available, make sure we get kids playing. But to my understanding, especially talking to a lot of our membership that is on the Players Alliance who has kids that are in that youth baseball space, they're seeing kids of color that are playing. The one challenge that they're running into is that we want to make sure that they continue to keep playing, that they don't end up being priced out of this game, whether it's from a travel standpoint, from an equipment standpoint, from an accessibility standpoint, or even being scouted and recruited standpoint. And then if they get the opportunity to play at the next level, potentially college, that it can become affordable. We have players that are in the Alliance that had opportunities to play college baseball and chose not to, chose to go to the draft instead because... They weren't able to get that full scholarship for their ability and weren't going to be able to afford to go to college. So playing professional baseball was the better option for them. So there's a couple little challenges, I think, along the way that if we can just modify a little bit here and there, it not only improves in the black community, but it improves for everybody. It continues to keep everyone who wants to play the game to have the ability to do it. And that's where you want to be at. You just want to make sure that, hey, if I want to play – that I have the opportunity to play. The only reason I don't want to, I only, the only reason I end up not playing is because I choose not to, not because financially I can't do it.
3: Well, Curtis, this has been a ton of fun for us. And before we let you go, uh, we're hoping that you'll uh, play along with us because uh, <laughs> the esteemed Michael Barr uh, tortures us every week <laughs> with a number of the week that we have to guess. And we would love for you to play this game with us. Are you, are you up for it? Let's do it. All right, all right, Bar, over to you. And by the way, Curtis, I, I have, I have, very much embraced other people getting in, involved in this because, as you're about to see, I am terrible at it, and so I just, I, I want to share the share the misery. So, all
0: right, Bar, oh, over to okay. you. All right, see, Jason, that's why you're going to start first. The number, <laughs> <laughs> the number, three hundred forty-four. Any hints? Nope. Mm. Nope.
3: Oh. So I have, to, I have to guess what that number means.
0: You have yeah. to guess what that number means. All
3: right, three hundred forty-four. Can I ask? Can I ask some questions? No. Oh, <laughs> oh boy. See, this is what I'm talking about, Curtis. This is like the, these guys are just like putting it to me. Uh, three hundred and forty-four. It has something to do with sports, I hope. Um, three hundred and forty-four. Um, I'm gonna say. The number of successful field goals that Lynchy kicked when he was at Harvard.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Lynchie? Like I, I, um, I was
4: going to go with batting average, but you didn't say like 0. .344. You said three forty four. So I'm going I'm I'm to come back. I'm going to hear what the other options
0: are.
1: 344. Number of home runs, career home runs for one, Curtis Granderson.
2: Oh, wow. Nice. wow. Wow.
1: Wow.
0: Yeah. Oh boy! <laughs> hey, I, I,
4: I got lucky a couple times. I didn't even know that. One <laughs> that
1: now the key is Kurt, Curtis. The key is how many at Fenway Park.
4: Oh wow! Fenway? I know I hit. I, I do one that's very memorable. Memorable for me is my first time playing there. I hit a home run off of Tim Wakefield. And no that was way. awesome because no. it was Wakefield and it was Fenway. It was my first time there, and I was like, oh man, I hit one there. So that was really cool to to, to be able to do that one.
0: Man, Lynch, cool. you are good at this. Man. You really are good. <laughs> You've
3: got to start going first. I this is <laughs> like I, you know. Anyway, no, I I bow to your I bow to your supremacy. And and by the way, Chris, it's a lot of home runs. <laughs> it's a ton man, of home runs. Think- you know, like I said, I got lucky
4: a lot. You know, pitchers threw really fast. They provided a lot of the power. Uh, and, right. if you look, and if you look at a lot of my home runs, they they just barely went over the fence. because
2: I was always <laughs> under the
4: motto that, the further you hit it, they don't give you any more points. So all I gotta do is hit it just over the fence. That's what I specialize.
0: in. <laughs> now here's a bonus question for you, Lynchy. the number of Uh-oh. blades of grass at Comerica Park. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In- infielder,
1: outfielder, both. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Well, I want to know the di- I, I want to know the distance between out and the-, the left field corner of, of uh, Comerica Park to the edge of Ford Field. It, it looks like it's about 10 yards. It's really, really close, isn't it? That would be well, the it, trivia it question. so
4: close right there. Yeah, the and, the you know, K-line, the K-line a, quarter. though. For you, guys. you know, here's an interesting one for you guys. So when they built Ford Field in Comerica, there were rumors that they were going to put a sliding dome between the two of us. Yes, so it would right. go over, and I was like, oh, <laughs> that would have been amazing because I've played wow. in those cold games in April. Even in the World Series, it was snowing out there. So I wish they would have put that thing over there, but They never ended up getting it done. It ended up just being over Ford Field and not over
1: Comerica. I remember that. That's
3: that's the problem with the Tigers. Oh, oh,
0: man.
1: (laughs) 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 Just to put this in perspective, Curtis Granderson hit more home runs than Jack Clark, Dave Parker, Boog Powell, Daryl Strawberry, Bobby Bonds, Willie Horton, Lance Parrish. The list goes on and on and on. Pretty, wow. good, pretty good good wow. company there, my man. Pretty good company.
4: Oh, thank you. And, you know, the crazy part, I met Daryl Strawberry, and he's a monster. I mean, he's huge. And I remember the first thing he said to me, he goes, man, you're a little man. Where do you get this power from?
3: was <laughs> 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 a great question. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Well, Curtis Granderson, of course, All-Star. We've proven your uh, credentials right here on this show. Also, president of the Players' Alliance. It was really a, a, an enjoyable and timely conversation with you. We're eager to learn more from some of your colleagues about everything that's going on at the Players' Alliance. Good luck to you. Hope you'll come back uh, and visit with us, especially as the season gets underway. And hopefully baseball looks a little more normal in, uh, in twenty one.
4: For sure, and thank you very much for having me. Excited to continue to see what we can do. It's going to take some time, but we're up for the challenge.
0: Great. And beautiful. You, you gave a Tigers fan a great thrill. Thank you, buddy.
3: <laughs> oh, thank you. This was a pleasure. Thank you, guys. Let's learn more about the group from Chris Young. He's a former Major League Baseball All-Star who's been deeply involved with this from the beginning. Tell us how you got involved and, and sort of why it's important to you.
2: First of all, thanks for having me, guys. I'm um, really excited to,
3: to be here with you.
2: Um, I got involved from the very beginning. Uh, From the very beginning, there was a large group text message that that pretty much went out to the majority of players of color um, within the league, and that's minor league guys, major league guys, ex-players, which is myself now. And from that message, I believe a few guys got together and came up with the idea of how we can make a difference because pretty much when you're a player – you have so many questions that go on through the club off on how can we impact the game, how can we get more players of color within the game, and and normally it just ends at that. It just ends as a conversation, and nobody ever goes anywhere with it. And you pretty much depend on um, Major League Baseball or any other you know outside entity to step in and pretty much take care of it for you. But I think the players came together and they decided that you know if you want to see real change, if you want to be productive, if you want to do something about it. You know sooner or later. You know, we're going to have to, you know, put our resources um, up, our own resources, our own time, you know, our own, you know, experience into play and, and try to make a difference ourselves, which is where I think some guys got together. Um, I know I was called early on by Curtis Grandison and T.C. Sabathia and uh, Cameron Maybin, Edwin Jackson, and asking if this is something that I'll be interested in. When, and when you bring something like that to me, something that's player-led, um, you know, my history in the game, the amount of players that I was able to past with, it seemed like a like a no-brainer for me. And ever since I've been in, it's, it's been amazing to see how much the Alliance has been able to do in a short amount of time during a pandemic. So, um, you know, hopefully we can keep, continue to push forward from here.
0: Talking to some other players who retired from their particular sport, a couple of them said sometimes you have to step out of your comfort zone to bring about... Positive change. Can you reflect more on that?
2: I can. I can. Um and I think what many players mean by I can I can't speak for them, I can speak for myself. If somebody were to say that to me, the main thing I think about is just all the relationships, all the great relationships I had with all of my teammates. You know, no matter, you know, what their race was or what their background, or where they were raised. You know, I had really good relationships with all those guys. And it comes a time where, yes, I'm out the game now, but a lot of things that were happening in the world really created an environment for some uncomfortable conversations that needed to happen. And sometimes when you're the one speaking out and you're the one, like, you know, putting your personal opinions out there, there could be some guys in your past that, you know, almost feel like they don't even know you. So I know we came out with our video in the very beginning talking about social injustice, and solely from that video that we put out, a lot of my ex-teammates called and they're asking like, "Are you all right? What's going on? I've never seen you like this before, and whatever it may be." But what it did cause in a in a good way is that it just caused a lot of conversations that we were able to have, and it really helped us understand each other better, and and helped us understand, you know, how, what we, you know, how we view what's going on in the world right now.
1: Hey, Chris, it's Mike Lynch up in, in Boston. Um, I was a sportscaster in those two seasons you played with the Red Sox, uh, parts of 16 and 17. I always remember you as uh, one of the nicest guys on the team, a guy that was always out in the community, uh, never said no to any charitable uh, cause when you were asked. And I know that's a lot to ask of a lot of Major League Baseball players. Is that party always been part of your DNA to just be involved with causes and in the community and to reach down and help others?
2: It has been, um, but full disclosure, it it was much easier while I was playing because while you're playing, you have a lot of opportunities come your way that you're pretty much, you know, you jump in, you, you know, people know where they want you to be seen, and you kind of go and do those events and try to make a difference when you can. I think what makes a difference with the Alliance is that, I mean, we're the ones making those decisions. We're the ones, you know, making decisions on where money goes, um, you know, what communities we want to, go and try to be involved in, what, what, what kids we want to try to reach out to. And, and our success solely depends on the decisions that we make. So I think that brings a different dynamic into it from my personal experience. I know we have Curtis Grandison and C.C. Sabathia. I mean, those are guys who have huge foundations who have done a whole lot for their respective communities, and, and this is something that they're very um, used to and comfortable with. For me, um, although I'm an older player or ex player, Um, This is something that's new for me, and I've I've been having a blast um, being a part
3: of this. Well, Chris, we really appreciate you uh, spending some time with us. Uh, It's a great organization. We're happy to learn more about it, and uh, best of luck to you. Thanks again.
2: Hey, thank you guys so much for your time. I really appreciate it.
3: Let's wrap up the show by talking to Chris Dickerson. He is another Major League Baseball player, used to be in the league, and now he's doing great work with the Players' Alliance. You know, I guess... We're trying to understand and, and really fully appreciate, you know, what you feel the the power of of players are and former players are uh, at this moment, and and why this this movement is so important as as we get deeper into twenty twenty one, which candidly doesn't feel like it's going to be much easier than twenty twenty.
5: Yeah, yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah. It's been a boy i mean it's just yeah you know like they
5: said it's like 50, you know 58 weeks of uh of two of 2020 basically
1: yeah.
5: Yeah. <laughs> um yeah we're just getting an uh, this awful just rollover uh effect going on and it's, it's 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 really unfortunate i mean it's just like you you know we went through this uh, you know last year during the summer and you know it's just it's a very strange time um you know as we're talking about the players alliance and the 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 events that led up to the creation of it. And then it's just like, we're, you know, we open up all the, all these wounds and it's just like, and it keeps going. It's almost like we're just going further and further. And, further. and it's kind of one of those things where not really sure what the actual expectation was. It's not like we're going to get this turned around overnight or just how this country is operating right now, as far as, um, you know, you know, race relations and just, you know, the at, at its core that we're, that we're still starting to see, but, You know, um, but, you know, what we're doing in the in the community right now, especially with the tour is, you know, we wanted to identify that, you know, the stories that we've um, you know, what we've experienced, our experience in um, in Major League Baseball um, as black men and how. Um, the landscape has you know, dramatically changed over the last 20 years and, and the decline and some of the, the underlying reasons that are in direct parallel to what's happening in our society, you know, from just the, the, the sheer lack of resources and opportunities that, that people of color get in, the, in this country. And so that's, um, you know, and that's what, you know, the tour is, is a big part of what we're doing right now is just getting kids equipment, Which is one because you know again um, you know the landscape of youth baseball has changed dramatically where you know it's no longer free there were and this is across all youth sports not just baseball I think you guys can agree on that as well yeah Um, if you guys look at hockey soccer and all of these sports it's all a pay to play system and there are a lot of families um, even you know middle class uh, white families that are getting that are now getting priced out of youth sports. And so, um, you know, we're just trying to identify and through stories, and I think that's one of the, the, the amazing things was, is being in the group conversation when we first started this, is hearing people's stories and hearing and understanding what the, the biggest needs among, um, you know, uh, black neighborhoods and, 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 and kids of color to get back into baseball. And that was one thing that was identified by by CC, is that it starts with equipment. So, um, you know, seeing this tour roll along, it's it's pretty special, but, you know, while we're doing all this good, we're still dealing with all this all this other BS that's, that's still continuing.
0: Even before the nightmare of 2020, uh, I, something I noticed about youths, especially when it came to baseball. When I was a kid, it was just pretty simple. We would get uh, a bunch of our friends from one block. It's like, hey, let's get up a game. Let's get the guys from the other block and let's go get the bat and, you know, don't forget your ball and let's go. And you don't see much of that anymore in baseball. And I guess I ask you why.
5: That's a really good question. Um, You know, I think, listen, I think it kind of, for me, you know, it's like one of those memes you see on social media. And there's one in particular that's always stuck with me. And it's on one side it says, I'm so glad I grew up doing this. And it was kids playing outside. Rather than doing this, and it was a bunch of kids huddled around their on their phones.
2: You just don't see
5: kids outside playing. You don't see kids playing outside. You don't see them riding bikes together. You don't see them playing baseball in the street. Um, And I think that is just kind of where it's at. I mean, these kids are you know they're they're constantly on their phones. They're playing video games. They're connected to YouTube, you know, streaming or whatever the case is. I think there's just so many more forms of entertainment to where kids just, it takes their attention and they're simply just not interested in going outside and, and, and being involved with, with sports. And the ones that are kind of, I think, um, you know, especially in baseball, they're kind of, it's it's not so much like a, it doesn't feel like it's a recreational sport anymore. I think you look at all these websites, like ranking kids and, you know, this is the top kid for class 2030. It's like, you can't just play baseball anymore. You always have a label. You're always competing for some, you know, for some showcase or from some elite team or this prospect yep. wire. It's yeah. it's so yeah. it's so odd. It's like um, it's like these kids are like it's almost like uh, it's like a like a cattle show. It's like oh, this kid in this kid class of 2028, you know, smooth hands, blah blah blah, quick bat. It's like you can't. You, there's no such play. There's that's a the thing. You're not just playing in the street anymore. It's yeah. you're you're trying to give your and, and the weird thing is that it's not the kids, I mean it's their parents. It's like oh you know Timmy has to be playing on this team. If Timmy's going to go and be on this elite team and get the best and the best and you know is going to be the best and he's got to play on this team and coach, you know Johnson says he has to play you know for this league for this amount of time in order to get in front of college scouts like college you know college coaches like dude he's twelve. He's Right, <laughs> and I think there's, he's he's tw- he's twelve, and there's that, and that's where we're at. I think we're just so out of line with so many different yep. uh, aspects of of youth sports, and it's and it's very and it's really troublesome. And you know, as a parent, I don't want to say that it, that I understand it. I understand where they're coming from. I think that college tuition uh, is a burden that that. Um, that parents are terrified of and they're trying to do everything in their power to get their kids a scholarship to relieve the financial burden of college um as you know these prices continue to soar it's like we saw even with this uh, remote learning you have schools like harvard that are still charging full tuition um for rem- remote learning and they're not you can't even step on campus but they're still charging full tuition and that you know that that system needs to be fixed and through that, I think that'll alleviate a lot of this pressure that that parents put on their kids. And so, you know, it's uh, you know, it's just layers. It's layers upon layers. And and it's unfortunate because uh, you know those the street ball games were the best. Everybody knows that.
3: Right.
1: Sure. Absolutely. Chris, um, uh, did you? I agree with you on all you're saying about youth coaches uh, labeling kids. That we all have seen 12-year-olds who were the biggest bullies in the neighborhood, and by the time they were 17, uh, you, they disappeared. And the, the little skinny kid that in the, in the sixth grade all of a sudden became the best player on the team. I agree with you a 1,000%. The um, pace of baseball, do you think that's discouraging young kids from picking up a ball and bat as opposed to going maybe to lacrosse or some other sport?
5: The pace um I, I can't really say m- much on the pace. Again, it's it's one of those things. I think it's just it's a it's it's not a necessarily It's a cultural dynamic, but it's just where we're at. Like as a society, it's like we're you know everything in you know modern media and the forms in which we communicate and which companies communicate and advertise. It's all in short form mm. to to go to basically to to speak to this quote unquote this declining attention span. So, you know, everything is formatted into like a minute to thirty seconds to fifteen second clips. And that's exactly what if you look at these at these big brands, everything is in like, you know, are these media companies, everything is now in short form media. It's TikTok. It was Vine. It was, you know, it went from, okay, we can do like long videos and create YouTube to shortening down to fifteen second, thirty clips and that's kind of where we're where we're at. It's like because of these attention spans, and because of simply because if you look at the actual metrics and the analytics, people that click on these videos they don't have an attention span for more than ten seconds. They'll probably get through ten and then they'll sw- and then they'll switch it off. And that kind of you know start started with you know how we have TV and streaming services because nobody cares about uh, these you know ads or commercials. It's like thirty seconds. They're they're switching to another channel already. You know how can we feed the attention span um, faster? And so it's just the reflection on where we're at with baseball. It's a, it is a reflection of that. It just simply doesn't move fast enough for, pe- with, for people. And even while you're there, while you're at the game, we see this whole safety protocol go up with the nets because people aren't even paying attention to the right. game half the time. They're on their phones. They're doing this, and you can see it throughout the game. And I remember one game in New York, and this kid got hit. And I, I will always, for, I will never forget uh, Teixeira's reaction, and he was just, his hands went up over his face. He turned completely around, but you could hear it. And it was like, I saw the kid, you know, three pitches prior. He was looking, he was in the second row. He was looking straight down. He was on his phone. You know, nobody seemed to be paying attention. And that was, you know, that was 2012, 2013. And so where we're at today, is like, it's only become the presence of your phone and the attention in which you give it has only become more prevalent. And so, you know, that's just, it's where we're at as a society. So the game, itself and going three hours and trying to shave off time which has been wildly unsuccessful as far as addressing the you know game time Uh, i think a couple years ago was like an average of three hours and 10 minutes and we obviously we put rules into place and uh to get it down to roughly three minutes you know to three hours and you know at the end of this we're like okay you know at the end of the year report like all this stuff and the you know the change of you know the play the clock and you know, the commercial breaks, it's like, all right, we saved a whopping three and a half minutes right. from the average game time this year. It's like, okay, sweet.
3: Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, on the, on a happier note, we really uh, admire the work that you're doing with the players Alliance and, uh, getting more equipment to, to kids who need it. And, and really, uh, trying to, to upend that, that yawning gap that you very well described that it is a money driven, uh, thing, that is for sure, in terms of the, the opportunity to play play a game that we all love. So Chris Dickerson, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Thank you. So guys, I really liked that because we obviously got time with the man himself, Curtis Granderson, who put it all together. But you know, getting the different perspectives from the different players, they, they come from similar but different walks of life. They obviously have a very cohesive mission with the Players Alliance. I have to say, I'm just speaking for myself here. I was glad to hear this level of enthusiasm and dedication from baseball. I feel like the NBA especially gets so much credit for what they've done around player empowerment and talking about equality. This is some really important work that they're doing in baseball, Lynchie.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I thought the most important part of our conversation with uh, Curtis Granderson was talking about this was really... uh, So many things went on this year, but it was a year of education, Mm. and it was a year of conversation, and and my favorite word for this year, a year of listening. And, you know, he said that when, when he was playing... He hung around with the black guys in the hotel room, or they go out to dinner together, and they talk about their issues among themselves. But they never talked with their, uh, with their other teammates from uh, white guys, uh, Asian guys, uh, Hispanic guys, and they finally opened up these conversations, and there was some great listening. Um, so I thought it was uh, really something that uh, has everybody's antenna up, and. Not only was there some listening and some good conversation, there was some action. So it, I thought it was a great start and a good part of the conversation.
3: Yeah, interesting, Bar, to, to hear these guys talk about baseball in in a slightly different way, and and you also like the the former players, I think, giving back to the game, right?
0: Oh my goodness, yes. Uh, you you think about MLK Day and and something uh, that we brought up during the show, and and I was glad to hear it. Uh, yes, usually we think of. Uh, think of it as like a long weekend yeah and uh, we but we don't put the importance of of what this day actually means and the people that fought to even get this day on the calendar and what it means
3: absolutely yeah that was a very good reminder i'm glad we were able to do this you've been listening to a special edition of bloomberg business of sports we're here each and every week for you across the week plus online wherever you get your podcast those drop on mondays wednesdays and thursdays i'm jason kelly find me on twitter at jason kelly news and i'm mike lynch you can find me at LynchyWCVB,
0: and i'm michael Barr on twitter at big bar sports you're listening to bloomberg business of sports from bloomberg radio around the world